to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation. Chapter 3. If you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Title of the message this morning is The Dead Church. A while back, I was at my bank and at the I had to wait. They were making copies of uh, something for me. And it was so funny. As I was waiting, the lady that wasn't working on that wasn't helping me, another lady was standing there, and she was counting money. And she had, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen them with a counting machine, and they would just take, you know, she had stacks of 20s, and it was going, she was counting, you know. And she kept getting flustered and actually even embarrassed. She kept looking at me and got embarrassed because it kept jamming up, and she was pulling the thing out, and she was putting it back in, and she'd jam up. And she, for some reason, she was self-conscious that I was standing there, and she kept looking, and she says, oh, this machine's acting up. And I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. You know, it's like, what are you worried about me for, you know? So, so then all of a sudden, she, she did it one more time. It jammed up, and she goes, that's it. And she lifted up one of the $20 bills, and she hands it to me. She goes, it's a counterfeit. <laughs> I'm like, this is weird. She's handing me the $20 bill. <laughs> and she goes, look. She goes, hold it up to the light. I said, okay. She goes, it doesn't have you know, the imprint inside US 20. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. And she goes, now feel it. And I was like, okay. And she's giving me a, you know, a quiz or a, a little test on how to detect counterfeit, I guess. She goes, feel it. It's not raised. The, the lettering's not raised. And I go, you're right. I says, wow, it looks good. She goes, yeah, but she goes, it's a counterfeit. And I was like, well, thank you for that. Can I keep it? (laughs) The church in Sardis that we're going to look at is is a counterfeit in many ways. They were dead. Jesus gives his evaluations to all the churches, the seven churches, as we're looking at. This is church number five. And this church is a dead church. Because there were counterfeits, those that were not truly born again, those that were not truly born of God's Holy Spirit, there were counterfeits in the church. And we're going to look at that, but we're going to see how do we bring life to a dead church, or how does Jesus bring life to a dead church? So let's take a look. Revelation 3, picking up in verse 1, and it says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. Please get the picture. The apostle... John is in heaven. He's, he has a heavenly vision. He's caught up into the heavenlies, and, and Jesus is standing there, as you remember. The, the book of Revelation, the word revelation means the unveiling. Jesus Christ is unveiled in his glorified state, and John has an eyewitness of Jesus in his glorified state. And John is asked to write these things down, and he's, he's got a pen. He's, he's, he's writing down what Jesus is saying. As we've been looking at, he's starting off here. He's, he's giving the evaluation of the church, and he's evaluating, and he's saying, okay, the next church, the church in Sardis. This is the evaluation. 
I wonder what the evaluation would be for this church. I believe as I've been going through these different churches and reading, I believe there's, there's something in each one of them that kind of, you know, commends us, and there's other things in here that, that condemn us, that say, well, work on these areas. And, and I believe we should take this personally as we're reading through this. This isn't just a, an ancient, the, you know, ancient writings here that we should look at and say, well, that was for the church of Sardis, thank you. I'm, no, we're to, we're to examine our own lives and say, Lord, how does this apply to me? How, how does this word apply to me? What, what, what do you have to say it, uh, regarding Sardis, the church in Sardis, and, and how does that affect me? And what does it mean to me? Is, is, is there anything there? And it's easy for us to say, well, you know, nothing here for me. I'll just read this. And poor Sardis, man, these guys were in bad shape. And I don't think it's healthy for us to ever do that. I think it's always healthy to pray when you read the word of God and say, Lord, what is there in here for me? What, how does this apply to me personally? Before we get into the text, I want to give a little background. I've been uh, trying to give a little background uh, to the different locations. Sardis was located 30 miles south of Thyatira, if you're a note taker. Here, I'll even show the map. I, I kind of like this map. Do you see up on the board? Because it shows all seven of the churches. And you even see the island Patmos right there where John was uh, exiled. So you see the island out there in, in the Mediterranean Sea. And then you get to see uh, Sardis is right there about 30 miles south of Thyatira, you see Ephesus, we already looked at, Smyrna, Pergamus, and then we're going to be going down the next church, Philadelphia. Next week, you're not going to want to miss Philadelphia next week. It's the faithful, loving church. And then Laodicea, the lukewarm church. But Sardis was located, so 30 miles south of Thyatira. Um, it was known as uh, for their manufacturing of woolen garments, if you're a note-taker. It was interesting. This is the note that I, I love this about, uh, uh, about Sardis. Uh, the first coinage ever to be minted was minted there in Sardis. The first coin. So uh, you could say modern money was born in Sardis. So even, I'll show you a picture. There's a picture of, whoa, go back. These are some pictures of the world's first coins. And if you look up, uh, the, just, you can even type in, not now please, but type in, you know, you can type in world's first coins and Sardis will come up. Some of the first coins were minted right there, and there's a picture of them. Pretty cool, huh? So they had silver coins and gold coins. It was a place where modern money obviously uh, was, but it was a very wealthy place. It was a wealthy, very wealthy city. It was a, a city known for luxury and pleasure, but also laziness. There's, this city was uh, set up 1,500 miles above the road, and they thought that they were unconquerable, that no one could conquer them. And, and it became, they became lazy because they were so hard to get at. It was so difficult to get to them that they didn't even worry about watching. They didn't even worry about worrying about an attack. They're like, nobody can attack us. And two times in history, if you, if you look in their history, Sardis was attacked two times because of laziness. They were sleeping. And they thought that nobody can come in. So little interesting note. They were lazy and they were conquered because of their deadness, their laziness. So that was the introduction. Let's go back to verse one. Let's look back. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. When it says you have a name, that means you have a reputation that you're alive. This church had a reputation that they were, they were the happening church. 
if they were there today, you know, people would be saying, you need to go to the church in Sardis. Everybody, you know, said that, you know, that is the happening church. That is spiritually alive. If you want to go to a church that's thriving, Sardis. And that's what everybody believed. The, the word on the street was Sardis was the place. Sardis was the place where they had the reputation that they were alive spiritually. But Jesus says, uh, my evaluation's a little different. I say they're dead. And again, I believe they were dead because they weren't born again. It was a dead church. I kind of put a little illustration up, you know, if looking at that church, people would say, wow, you know, look at that, you know, the building, the structure, the people, that's just, that's an, that church is alive. But I think if Jesus evaluated, he would probably put a picture up, something like that. It's dead. And Jesus, you know, he, he sees things different than we do. And I, and I, and I want to use this to say, we, we have to watch and be careful that we're not dead. And, and we're not misevaluating our own life, saying, well, you know, I'm pretty good. I've got things going. I'm, I'm not bad. And, and well, what does Jesus say? This church was saying they were alive. The reputation was they were alive. The people around said they were alive. But Jesus says, no, they're dead. It's possible that the... The pastor of that church wasn't even born again because of the fact where it says, you know, he who has the, the seven spirits of God uh, is the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus is saying, I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit for you. We'll look at that in a second. But then, and the seven stars. The seven stars are the, the seven pastors of the seven leaders of the seven churches, most likely. And it's possible that the minister was even dead. The minister wasn't born again. And it starts at the top. It starts with the leaders. And I, I personally met pastor ministers that aren't born again. Have you ever met ministers like that? I'm I, being out in this, you know, with talking with different ministers. I, I remember one time I'm talking to this one minister and he's talking about being born again. He goes, oh yeah, I think that has to do with water baptism. I said, no, no, it's about being born of the spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that, he goes, oh no. And he says, well, you, you know, you can't believe the Bible. And I says, what do you mean you can't believe the Bible? He goes, oh, those are just a bunch of stories. He's spiritually dead. And I believe this church is spiritually, Sardis is spiritually dead. And, and when he's saying the seven, you know, go back to the, he who has the seven spirits of God. We looked at this earlier. That's seven spirits doesn't mean there's you know seven holy spirits. There's only one holy spirit, but seven is the number of completeness or fullness. And I believe Jesus is saying, "I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and you're the dead church, but I want to quicken you. I want to bring you alive spiritually." Because every time he shows us a a part of his glorified body or part of who he is, it's always to help that church. And I believe this church, the reason why he says he who has the seven spirits of God is because he's saying, I want to quicken you. I want you to be alive. You're dead spiritually. There's churches that, you know, you look at the history of some of these great men of God in our history that started some real awesome churches, but now you look in there at the churches that are there today and they're, they're dead. They're, you talk to them about being born again of the Holy Spirit. They, they look at you like you're funny. They say, what do you mean born again? You know, that's not, they, they don't adhere to those things and they're, they're spiritually dead, but they started off so good. I don't want to mention any names, but I'm sure you're familiar with the different denominations. For the most part, they're spiritually dead. I just want to remind us, we need need the Holy Spirit. Constantly in this church, we need the Holy Spirit. As I read this text, I say, Lord, 
I want more of your Holy Spirit. I want more of your Holy Spirit working in the midst of this church, but I want more of your Holy Spirit working individually in me, and I want the Holy Spirit working more individually in every person's life in this congregation. We need his Holy Spirit. And Jesus in this picture is talking to a dead church. And and he may be talking to you. He's saying, I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The, The fullness of God's Spirit I have available for you. All you need to do is ask. Just ask the Lord to give you the fullness of his Holy Spirit. Turn away from your life and ask for him to empower your life. I love to share how this church started. Because this church started in a very supernatural way. And I I love sharing the story. When we talk about a dead church, I'm like, God, thank you that this church started by the power of your Holy Spirit. And most of you know the story. So if if you heard the story before, hopefully it'll encourage you again. Because it encourages. I love telling it. I could tell it a hundred times every Sunday, actually. Because it's a God thing. And the, the way God did, I was serving at Calvary Costa Mesa. As many of you know, my wife was serving there. We were serving there five days and five nights. We were just full on, you know, ministry, ministry, this is it. And then the Lord kind of made it clear to us that, not kind of, made it very clear to us that he wanted to start a work here in Sunset Beach, here in Huntington Harbor. So I used to come out here, and I used to pray over this land. Whenever I had time off, whenever I had a chance, I would just drive out here, just drive in and out of the streets. I'd pray, Lord, Lord, please, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, quicken the people in this community. Start a work in this community. I did that for months. I'd go on the beach and pray over the people. I'd go into the stores and talk to the people about Jesus and pray over the people and just say, Lord, go before us, Lord. Start a work in this community. There's a need. I can tell there's a need, and the Lord made it clear and confirmed it, and that's another story how he confirmed it. But as I was serving there at Calvary Costa Mesa on a Sunday night, standing up front, Pastor Chuck, as he always would say, you know, if you need prayer, the pastors are down front. Come up front. As I'm standing there, a lady, there was lines of people that particular night. lady comes up front. She says, you know, I need prayer, and she's crying. She's got tears in her eyes, and I prayed for her. And after we prayed, she's just dripping Jesus, just loved Jesus, and she just said, she goes, you need to come to my house. And I says, well, this is my house. You come here. And she goes, no, you don't understand. You must come to my house. And I said, thank you. You know, that warms my heart that you would ask me to go to your house. But my wife and I, we serve here. We're always here. Come see us. She goes, no, please. And I was like, I'm sorry. But, you know, so then she leaves. And next morning, I'm thinking about her name's Vivian. I'm thinking about Vivian. And I told my wife about Vivian. And this woman just loves Jesus. And, and I was thinking, well, we should invite her to our new Bible study. I'm thinking, no, I don't want to take people from Calvary, Costa Mesa. I want to start a new work over here. And all this kind of stuff's going through my head. So we come out here. On Mondays, we would come out and just pray over the land. My wife now is coming with me, and so we're driving around, driving through these different streets. We're praying, Lord, do a work. And one of the streets, we at the dead end, I noticed there's a picture of Jesus near the front door, and it's standing there about a you know, life-size picture, Jesus knocking on the door. You know the picture with the door has no handle because the handle's on the inside. Jesus is knocking, and we have to open it from the inside, that picture. I said, honey, look, look, at least, you know, there's one Christian over there. Look at that. She goes, well, let's invite him to the Bible study. And I said, just knock on the door, invite him to the Bible study. She goes, yeah, why not? We knock on the door, and guess who opens the door? Vivian. And my mouth dropped open. I was like, her mouth dropped open. And I said, well, you invited me to your house, didn't you? And we got inside of her home, and I said, I believe we need to just right now go on our knees and... I believe the Lord's saying this is holy ground because he supernaturally, against all odds, opened up this door to a work here in this community. 
And Vivian told me right after that, she says, Pastor, the reason why I said you must come to my home because the pastor told me my house is going to be used as a lighthouse. She says, I don't go to Calvary Costa Mesa. I heard it on the radio. We were driving. I was at the, the mall, and we were driving by, and I heard Pastor Chuck say, if you need prayer, get prayer. So I told my husband, pull in the parking lot. I need prayer. And my husband was fighting with me. She says, I'm going to jump out of the car. I have to go get prayer. And she says, when I walked in the church, I looked at you. God spoke to me and said, that's the man that's going to start the work. The work of the Holy Spirit. I wish God was working like that constantly, but we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. We need the Holy Spirit to direct. I, I, I many times think through that story and think, how, Lord? How did you, I'm driving my car. I'm, how did you direct me down the right road? How did, it, this is in, in Costa Mesa. This lady lives out here in Huntington Harbor. How did you get me from point A to point B and direct us to the first home we've ever knocked on? We didn't ever go to, after that we did many homes, but this is the first home we've ever knocked on after being months in that community. The next day, when the night before she says, you must come to my house, and I'm knocking on her door the next morning. And all I can say is, we need the Holy Spirit to continue in the midst of us, leading us and guiding us and directing us. This church in Sardis was dead because people in the church were not born of the Holy Spirit. The people in the church weren't led by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You can turn there with me too, please. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead. Talking about the dead church. Paul the Apostle, talking to the church in Ephesus, is telling them, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I see in these two verses, Jesus is saying, through Paul the apostle to the church, he's saying that there's, you were made alive because you were once dead. And, and everyone is dead when they're born into the world. We're, we're dead. We're, we're sinners. And, but did you notice that we were once dead ourselves? And we were led by the, the powers, the, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit. Did you notice the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience? So I would like to say with these two verses, either we're led by the Holy Spirit or we're led by prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in sons of disobedience. So you're here today, you're, you're either being led by the, the prince of the power of the air, or you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And, and my question to all of us here today, is the Holy Spirit living inside of you? I asked a gentleman this just the other day. I said, you know, he says, Pastor, I need to talk with you. And I had a nice time, you know, ministering to him. And he says, and I says, well, does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? He goes, uh, I think so. And I said, sir, not to disrespect you or anything, but, you know, if you touch a line that's 220 volts, you're gonna, not going to say, I think I touched that line, that power line. You're going to know it. And the Bible says that you know that you have eternal life. And my, my question is, uh, are you led by the power of the Holy Spirit? Is the, the power of God's Holy Spirit working inside of you, leading your life? Or is the prince of the power of the air? Because for the dead church, Jesus is saying, I want to make you alive. And there might be some in this church that are, uh, that, you know, Jesus would say, you're, you're, you're being led by the prince of the power of the air. And I'm sure if I, if I was in your shoes, I'd say, Psh, come on, I'm not being led by the devil. What are you talking about? Devil's not leading my life. I'm leading my life. No, not according to scripture. 
according to Scripture, either you're led by the prince of the power of the air or you're being led by the spirit of the living God. Is the spirit of the living God living inside of you? Is he leading your life? Is he directing you? There's a threefold work, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us, convicting us of sin. The Holy Spirit, when we become born again, is in us. But then it comes upon us for the work of the ministry. Has the Spirit of God come upon you? Are you led in the Spirit? Church is awfully quiet right now. I believe this church in Sardis had had programs but no power. I believe they had structure and no spirit. I believe they had form and no force. And may this church never be that way. There is nothing wrong with programs. Programs are good, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, they're dead. Structure is good. We need structure. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's dead. Form is good. We need form. We've got a God of order. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, the force of the Holy Spirit, we're dead. Look at verse 2 with me, please. Back in a text, if you can, go back to chapter 3, verse 2. So Jesus says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. I find it interesting as I was looking up these words and kind of looking at the meaning of watchful and strengthen. And if you're a note taker, watchful literally means wake up. Strengthen could be translated fix. Wake up and fix. Wake up and fix. Wake up and fix it. And again, Sardis was sleeping when they were attacked. And they were aware of, you know, that they need to be watchful in that community. And are we aware to be watchful, to, be, to wake up and fix? And I, and I believe, you know, uh, to, for the believers that are here, to, to be, you know, watchful and to fix those things that need to be fixed, to, to wake up and to, to realize, wh- where do I need to fix things? Because did you notice those things that, uh, those things which remain, be watchful or, or fix, excuse me, wake up and fix the things which remain. So I believe that there's, there's areas that, as believers, there's areas in our life that can start to die. And I believe Jesus is saying to the church, wake up. Wake up and, and, and fix those things. For example, you know, it's like, well, you know, sometimes, I, you know, I go to church kind of, you know, I'm pretty regular at church, you know, because we're called to have fellowship. The, the early church had fellowship daily. They were daily in the temple. So we might be here and say, well, I kind of have go to church. You know, I kind of, I'm there almost every Sunday. I'm there come, sometimes I go to midweek studies. And occasionally, maybe once a year or so, I go to the prayer meeting. And I believe Jesus would say, be watchful and fix those areas that are, are ready to die. Or, for example, my, my prayer life. You know, yeah, you know, I pray. You know, I've got a pretty good prayer life. I, sometimes I pray. And I believe, according to this text, is a wake up and fix that prayer life. Don't, don't make excuses why it's just, oh, kind of okay. But, but to be honest and wake up spiritually and say, Lord, you know what? Truthfully, my prayer life stinks. Truthfully, my church attendance, my fellowship is lousy. Because as long as we make up excuses why we think it's okay, and I believe the the Holy Spirit is saying, wake up. Don't believe your rhetoric. Don't believe your people in your family they are saying you're okay. Don't believe in other people that are looking at you and saying, oh, you're okay too. Well, you're not too bad yourself. And you're all patting each other on the back. Well, no, no. When Jesus comes in the picture and you say, what does Jesus say? What is Jesus communicating? What, do, what does Jesus say about me personally and about you personally? What is he saying to us? Is he, is he saying, well, you know what? You know, going to church on Sunday, you know, 
12 times a year. That's not too bad. Give me five. That's pretty good. Is he really saying that? Jesus is saying, there's areas in your life that are ready to die. And it just keeps going, getting worse and worse and worse. It's dying, it's dying and dying. Wake up and fix it. And not only wake up and fix it, I want to fix it for you. Just recognize it and resist. Just recognize it. Wake up. You know, call it what it is. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.